Okay, let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for the word that you've given us to keep us in the faith and to help us persevere. It's hard, it's not easy, uh, but I love you and I thank you for what you've given us and I'm grateful for the forgiveness that you've offered every single one of us who've fallen away. Father, give us a sense of perseverance and help us to be encouraged in the word today. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Okay. Um, I'm going to go through the text, uh, beginning in 1 Timothy chapter 6. We're going to read verses 11 through 16. 1 Timothy 6, 11 through 16. Alright, here we go. But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you are also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I urge you in the sight of God who gives life to all things and before Christ Jesus who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate that you keep this commandment without spot, blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ's appearing which he will manifest in his own time. He who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, to whom be honor and everlasting power. Amen. So that's the text for this week. I'm going to follow the... Uh, the outline of my uh, my commentary here. I don't normally do this, but William Mounts wrote a commentary on First uh, Timothy, and I use the commentaries uh, usually just to deal with any difficult portions of a text that that I'm really struggling with. You know, if there's something I can't I can't can't get my head around, or I think I've got it, but I want to check the the people who are smarter than me and who put more time and study into this and you know I want to check with them and make sure I'm getting the language right so I've used William Mounts throughout first Timothy chapter 6 I found him to be a really faithful Bible commentator um, I had a couple other commentaries that I was consulting and uh, had too strong of a disagreement with one of them to continue going and so uh, my list has, as it often does with uh, the commentaries when I'm, I'm teaching through the Bible, my list has been refined. The further I've gotten, now I, I'm here at First Timothy chapter 6, and, and, uh, and Mounts is the one uh, whose outline I'm following today. And uh, the reason is because he saw a, a form and function in the text here. I don't know if it was unique to him, but he brings it up anyway that I think will be really helpful to us all. And what he sees here in these verses is a call to persevere. Okay, a call to persevere. And this really, I don't know if it's the time that I'm at in my life or, or what I'm going through or, or just the fact that having been a pastor now for many years, um, it really resonates to what I've observed and seen. But... Uh, a call to persevere, that feels right for what this is. It says some pretty amazing things, and it, and it 
it ends in this verse 16, 15 and 16, where it gives this, this great exaltation of God. And, and we're supposed to keep going. That's really the point here. That's the point that Paul's trying to make to Timothy. I mean, Paul knew Timothy. He knew that he started well. Paul knew Timothy. He knew Timothy's heart. But I think when you've discipled someone as much as you possibly can, and you know that they know the truth, and you know that they're in difficulty, and and you know that, frankly, and I think this is a lot of what Paul's dealing with, you can't just be there and hold their hand for all their lives. What do you say? You can say a lot of things, I guess. But the main thing you say is keep going. Persevere. The Christian life is hard. It's, it's not easy. Keep going. So this is a call to persevere. Beginning in verse 11, But you, O man of God, he's supposed to persevere in two things. Number one, flee... And number two, pursue. Continue, persevere, continue to flee the things that Paul has warned him of in this book. Continue to flee the love of money. Continue to flee the desires of worldliness. Continue to flee a sick and corrupt mind that wants to serve oneself. Look at verse 5 of 1 Timothy chapter 6, he describes those whom Tim, who he doesn't want Timothy to be like. This is how he describes them. They're, they're people who strive over the useless wranglings of men of sick minds, destitute of the truth. Just run away from that. Now, the reason why you tell somebody to flee these things is because it's not a one-and-done kind of thing. You know, People think sometimes that, well, now that I'm a Christian, you know, I'm, I'm done running away from stuff. I'm done fleeing. I'm done... I don't know if they think they're done with the temptation or if they just wish they were done with the temptation. But so long as we are in fallen flesh, so long as we're in these bodies, we're going to deal with things that we're going to have to persevere in running away from. So it's a call to flee. Keep fleeing. Keep running away from these things. Don't move toward them. Don't move toward selfish ambition. Don't move toward greed. Don't move toward sickly thinking. Don't move toward personal gain. Flee these things. You know, go, go away from them. And instead, pursue as you, as you continue, as you persevere in fleeing these things, Pursue, and, and here's what he says, righteousness, which in the context here is not talking about legal righteousness, which we, we get in Christ. He's talking about pursue just basic good moral behavior. Pursue righteous behavior. Why do you tell somebody to pursue something? Because there's going to be a temptation to stop pursuing those things. Pursue righteousness. Pursue good behavior. Pursue moral conduct. Pursue godliness. And in the context here, pursue a life that is dedicated 
to God. Now, is your life dedicated to God? I'm not asking if a long time ago you dedicated your life to God. I'm asking in the here and now, is the life that you're living dedicated to God? Pursue faith. Pursue love. Pursue patience, gentleness, their selection of the fruit of the Spirit there. Faith, which is trusting in God, that's what's going to fuel a life dedicated to God. That that's what's going to enable moral conduct in the face of, of temptation for moral compromise. Pursue faith, pursue love. That's what's going to tend to grow cold as you grow distant from people. When you see the worst sides of other Christians and you're tempted to separate fellowship, love is what's going to grow cold when you, when you get burned by people who you've tried to reach out for. Love is what's going to grow cold when you try to share the gospel and you want to see people repent and it just doesn't work out like you wanted to over and over again. The love is what we have to stay in pursuit of because... While we might make a, a dedicated you know, move toward it at the beginning of our Christian faith, we will find ourselves being pulled away from it the further along that we go. Patience. Pursue patience. Which is like saying, don't get impatient. Because you're probably going to. So when you, you feel impatience and frustration with things, then pursue Pursue this, patience and gentleness. Because when you're at something for a long time, that's what Timothy was doing. He's pastoring at a church in Ephesus. And you're not seeing the response that you know you need to receive. And you're worried about people. And, 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 and folks who know the truth are doing things they shouldn't do. You're going to want to tend towards the... The temptation is going to be to be blunt and more direct and so Paul tells him, pursue gentleness. Because if you don't pursue it, it's going to get away from you. All of these virtues, righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness, if you don't stay in pursuit of them, they're going to get away from you. But then somebody asks a good question, why? Why should I continue to pursue these things? It's a good question. It's a good question. It gets me in trouble here on the earth. It puts me in a vulnerable position sometimes. I try to love people, which means I'm vulnerable to their treatment of me, and I felt the worst of that before. Why should I pursue these things? And here's where Mounts and the commentary really helped. Here's four reasons in the verses that follow. Reason number one. Because, Timothy, you pursue these things, because, Timothy, you've been called to eternal life. I see it in verse 12. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you are also called. Reason number one why you should persevere in your fleeing of these things you shouldn't have anything to do with and your pursuit of these things that are going to fuel godly living. Reason number one you should stay at it is because... You want to lay hold of eternal life to which you've been called. That's number one. It's almost as if Paul is telling Timothy, you might be suffering right now, and this might be difficult right now, it might be challenging right now, but you have not been called specifically 
into difficulty. You have been called to eternal life. And that just so happens to be in a fallen world on the other side of difficulty. You've not been called to suffer permanently. You've been called permanently. Your destination is to eternal life. God has stood from the finish line. You know, the author of all things who sees the beginning and the end is standing at our end chronologically and is calling us to it. But we're in the middle of it. And sometimes it feels like we're just in the beginning of it. And we don't know how far the finish line is on the other side of this. But we're called to the finish line. Which means we're called through the suffering and the difficulty and the temptation. Reason number one, you're called to eternal life. The Bible is filled with people who were called by God. Do you know that? It is. It is. Abraham was called by God to leave his father's house to go to a land which God would show him. You know, Moses was called by God in a burning bush. Samuel was called by God in Eli's house three times, I think, in the night. David was called by God when he was a shepherd out in the field. Have you been called by God? Each of the disciples were called. Paul, who's writing to Timothy on the road to Damascus, was called by God. Has God called you to eternal life? You have to answer that question. If you say no, well, as a pastor, I guess I would say in the here and now, if you don't think that God has called you to eternal life, I think I'd ask you to think about the message you're hearing as you're watching this, wherever you are. If you are a sinner and you've never heard the call of God to eternal life, some set of circumstances has led you in front of this screen, wherever you are in the world, whatever time it is, some set of circumstances has led you right here to watch this, where I am asking you this question. Do you want eternal life with God? Because that's what God has extended toward you. So if you've never felt called before, I hope that right now in your heart you'll feel the call of God through this very message. Sinner, you stand condemned before a righteous God like we all do. God has sent His Son Jesus Christ to legally to justly deal with your sin. He is calling all who will come to eternal life. Will you be one of those few chosen who accept the call of God, who embrace the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for our sin, who rose from the grave, who ascended into heaven, and who will return for all of us. God is calling you out of sin and into righteousness. He is calling you to eternal life. And for the Christian who's hearing this, 
if you've been called by God, you have to be faithful to that call. If you've been called to eternal life, you have to be faithful to that call. But it's easy to lose track of what it was like the first time we realized that for God so loved Reggie, he died on the cross. You know, when you hear that, and it really speaks to your heart for the first time, there's this intense sense of devotion towards God. He did this for me. I must now serve Him. Paul is telling Timothy, you got to stay with this. You have to continue to pursue these things. Because remember, you are called to eternal life. Second reason why Timothy has to stay with this. He made this commitment in front of many witnesses. Right, that's what it says here in verse 12. Lay hold of eternal life to which you are also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. There are people watching you, Timothy. And you have publicly committed yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ. So you have to keep going. In a certain sense, it's almost you have to be a man of your word. You have to finish what you so publicly started. You don't just represent your own name here, Timothy. You publicly confess that Jesus Christ is your Lord. You can't quit. You can't slow down. You can't stop. Third reason. You have to be like Jesus who persevered in His witness. Jesus didn't quit. If Jesus is your Lord, you have to be like Him. This is verse 13. I urge you in the sight of God, who gives life to all things, and before Christ Jesus, who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate. Jesus didn't quit. He made it all the way to the end. And when this world in Pontius Pilate was questioning him, as Pontius Pilate sought to find a way to wiggle Jesus out of the situation that he found himself in, no, no, no. Jesus, being found in the form of a man, became obedient even unto death on the cross. Jesus didn't quit. He fulfilled this faithful witness in front of his final earthly judge. He didn't quit. And you can't quit either. You can't quit. Think about it. Facing execution, Jesus didn't try to wiggle his way out. How many of us quit or attempted to quit under far less dramatic circumstances? Sometimes it's for no other reason than boredom or depression, despondency. I'm tired of this. Wouldn't it be nice to do this? And wouldn't it be nice to do that? And wouldn't it be nice to just set this aside? But Jesus, standing before the adversary, He was faithful to the end. 
So you got to be faithful to Timothy. And you got to be faithful to whoever you are if you've been called to eternal life. If you've confessed Jesus in front of many faithful witnesses. Because Jesus didn't quit. That's reason number three. Reason number four. No matter how hard it gets, God is the truly powerful King. The King of kings. The Lord of lords. He is sovereign, good, and immortal. And you can't quit, Timothy. Because you are His man. You are the sovereign, good, immortal God's man. You are the man of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. To whom is due might and honor forever and ever. And you cannot quit. You have to flee evil and selfishness and the lusts and the prides and the passions of this world, you have to deny yourself. That's what fleeing those things are. That's what fleeing those things is. You have to deny yourself and take up your cross daily and follow Jesus because Jesus didn't quit and you have to pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Why? Because He is the blessed and only potentate. He is the blessed and only ruler. The King, capital K. God is the King of all kings. He is the Lord of all lords. He alone has immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see. No man can stand in the presence of God. Don't be deterred by mere men. Don't be deterred by mere mortals. Don't be deterred by mere opponents on this earth. Don't be deterred by businessmen. Don't be deterred by marketing ads. Don't be deterred by scientists. Don't be deterred by philosophers. Don't be deterred by theologians and philosophers. Don't be deterred by friends and family, by politicians, kings, or rulers. Why? Because God alone has immortality. He dwells in unapproachable light whom no man has seen or can see. No man can touch God. And you are His man. You can't quit. To whom, to God, be honor and everlasting power. Amen. There are lots of people who seek to honor themselves. I've run into a few of them this week. They really relish their fancy titles. Their possessions. Their places of authority in a company, in a county, in a state, in a nation. 
Some are even powerful enough that they relish their places of authority in the world. And they like to honor themselves. But there is only one. Only one potentate. Only one ruler. Only one being to whom there belongs everlasting honor. And there's only one being to whom there belongs everlasting power. It's not hard to see the deterioration of the power of men. It rises and falls like the sea all the time. Men come to power. Men honor themselves. And then they lose it. Some lose it gracefully, some lose it disgracefully, but they all lose it. Because there is only one King of Kings and Lord of Lords to whom belong honor and everlasting power. And if you're a Christian, you are his man. You are his woman. And you are not allowed to quit. You are not allowed to change course and deviate back to selfishness. And we have these passages in the Bible because the longer we stay on this earth, the harder it is to keep going. Now there's some things in life that, you know, once you get to a certain point, it's easier to finish than to, than to turn back. I have not found that to be the case with the Christian faith. The Christian faith is like a mountain in every single step. There will be some challenge, some, some sentiment, some thought of, the, of a new elevation, some, some fear of a new footfall, some, some pressure from lung or heart or whatever to just turn around and walk back down. Or to stop for a while and let others go on ahead. Maybe it's a poor metaphor. But the scriptures warn us that making it to the end is tough. Here's Jesus in Matthew 24:13, summing up the entire age in which we live and everyone who tries to serve God in this age. He says this, amid wars, amid, among rumors of wars, among earthquakes and, and, and pangs of sorrow, Matthew 24:13, he who endures to the end shall be saved. Because it is tough to make it to the end. You know it's tough to make it to the end, right? It's tough to make it to the end of everything in life. It's tough to make it to the end of high school if you're trying to pursue these things and to flee the things that God wants you to flee. It's tough. It's tough to make it through the end of your first year on a job. It's, it's tough to make it through the end of whatever ministry you're involved in. And it's tempting to quit or to deviate. 
as a pastor, I want to call you to keep going, to pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness, and to flee a sick mind and a sick heart that thinks that the things in this world can satisfy you. I want to encourage you to see yourself as God's man, God's woman, called by Him, empowered by Him, saved by Him, and ultimately redeemed by Him. He is the only power in this world. He is the only power in the universe worth following with this kind of dedication. Follow Him. Let me pray for you now. Father, Paul and Timothy are both dead to this world and alive to you now. You know, Paul wrote these words and I imagine him writing them with genuine concern for Timothy. And, and now they've both finished their race, but we're still here. And it can feel very hard to get you sometimes. Forgive us because that difficulty isn't you, that's us. We're the ones who get in the way or allow other things in the way. You're there. Calling us to flee the things that we should flee. Like Joseph from Potiphar's house. And pursue the things that we should pursue. Like your son Jesus who went before us. Thank you for leading. You have always led those who would follow. The Israelites through the wilderness had you before and behind. So you shelter and shield the faith of those who are truly yours. Don't let us fall behind. Save us and rescue us. And see us to the end. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.